Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to episode 47 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name is Jeremy and I've got another LT5, that's Leadership Top 5, where I sit with a leader and ask them my top five questions to get them talking just about their own personal habits, disciplines as a leader, things that we can learn from other leaders as we listen to what they have in their life that helps them stay healthy and intentional as a leader. And speaking of intentional, I've got a very special guest who just exudes the the definition of intentional when I think of this guy. I've actually known this guest for the past 15 years. I started out as his youth pastor when he was just a teenager and just have watched him through young adult stage, through getting married and now having kids and planting a church. And uh, it's just been a joy and a pleasure of mine to see that all unfold right before my eyes. His name is Brandon Richardson. He's married to Emma and him and Emma live in Waterloo, Ontario. And they both lead a thriving church plant. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Slate Church. They have uh, various campuses around Ontario. And it's a four and a half year old church plant that's just seen a lot of success uh, since it's been planted. And so Brandon and I sat down and we had this conversation. So here's my conversation with Brandon Richardson. So I've got Brandon Richardson on the podcast today. And uh, so great to have you here, Brandon. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Brandon and I actually go way back, uh, back to my um, local church days as a youth pastor in my first ministry setting, uh, my wife and I. And Brandon was actually in our youth ministry. That's where we first connected and got to know each other and saw potential in this guy right from the very get-go. And it's just it's been awesome to watch you over the years as you went off to Bible college and um, and then right into ministry. And you've had a quite a ride in ministry to this point and now leading Slate Church and multiple venues, campuses. You could tell us all about that. So just bring us up to speed. I know you super well, but I don't want to take anything for granted. So Brandon, just tell us where you're currently ministering, how long you've been there, a little bit about family, wife, kids, all of that. Let us get to know you a little bit before we get into these leadership top fives. Yeah, it's good. It's funny that, you know, this many years later, you're having me on a leadership podcast when I'm pretty sure the first real experience we had with one another is I got in a fight on a missions trip that you were leading. Oh, I totally forgot about that altogether. That was quite a missions Um, trip. We did get to know each other really well on that trip. We did. It was great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm currently in Waterloo, Ontario, and uh, pastor a church, as you said, called Slate Church. We've been in the region, Waterloo region, for the last uh, seven and a half years. Um, Slate Church is four and a half years old. So prior to that, we were doing a student ministry for about uh, three years. And that was a student ministry kind of geared towards university students. And uh, it was out of that season and a, um, you know, a pretty um, rigorous transition that we uh, launched Slate Church, which we've been doing for about four and a half years. Uh, Of course, half of that has now been in a pandemic. So that's been an interesting yeah. Uh, both leadership challenge just personal challenge For sure. and uh beyond that i mean probably the more like proud part of uh who i am is uh, you know i'm married to a wonderful woman emma um we have uh three kids kensington 
Theo and Claire, and we have one on the way, a uh, wow. little girl. Uh, we've named, we're going to name her Lucy. And so uh, we're this. really excited, really excited. That is super exciting. And Brandon, you are just, just, again, just watching you grow and develop as a leader. And even Emma, she was a part of your life way back as a teenager. I remember her showing up to our youth group uh, as well. It was kind of a long distance relationship. And one of the very few that actually made it, that I can confidently say actually made it to the married stage of life uh, out of a high school relationship. And uh, so cool to see just how you guys, um, just how you acted and how you demonstrated that relationship. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, just so, so proud of you over the years and watching you grow. And now, like you said, it's, it's pretty surreal to sit here with a former student now uh, mm-hmm. one of Canada's great leaders, uh, church leaders, and and to be able to ask you some of these questions today. But before we, again, before we get to that, tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, I again, I know some of this stuff, but I'd love our yeah. listeners just to get to, tell us a little bit about how you knew you wanted to be involved in church ministry, like call of God type stuff. Like, how did you get into this? Why did you get into this? Like, where did that all begin? Yeah. yeah um, I mean, two predominant voices in my life during the time where I was um, uh, kind of figuring out whether or not I wanted to be in ministry was my dad and yourself. And so, you know, part of the story Um, for me, like one important question I was asked during that time, and I believe it came directly from you is, you know, when it comes to ministry and calling, like part of it has to be like, if you, if you couldn't, you know, imagine yourself doing anything in this life. Right. Um, if you couldn't imagine yourself not doing this, like that's a pretty good indicator. Hmm. I just remember like from that point, I started tracing back throughout my life, just different moments. For me, it was setting up stuffed animals and uh, preaching to them as a little kid Nice. or approaching, you know, our, our lead pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor, wasn't a title growing up. It was always the senior pastor approaching them and uh, seven years old and quizzing them on their message. And uh, just always having kind of an understanding. Uh, I was kind of on, in my mind, a fast track to making lots of money. Uh, my dad's boss at the time had made some promises to me, like, you know, you do this, this, this with education, I could set you up with this. And I thought, hey, that sounds great. Okay. And um, for me, though, it kind of came down to every time I went down a rabbit trail in my mind of the value of doing these other things, it paled in comparison to the value I would experience um, and the value I thought I could give to something like ministry. Right. Now that's not the case for any, everyone. And I, I don't think everybody needs to go into formal ministry to pursue God, you know, God's calling on their life. But for me, it became evidently clear just through um, specifically mentorship from yourself and, and my father. He, um, a wonderful man who has worked in the business world his entire life, but reiterated to me at so many points in his life, if I could do anything, I'd want to be a pastor. Wow. And I, it kind of got to the point where I was like, man, if he could do anything, it'd be a pastor. One question was like, well, then why don't you? Sure. And uh, the second thing was, well, then, you know, if that's the best thing out there, like I want to do it. Yeah. And, um, and so he really encouraged me, you know, they, my mom and dad almost lost me when I was a a baby and my dad didn't just dedicate me to God. He dedicated me to, um, he said, Hey, made a deal with God. He said, if you'll save my son, I'll, I'll, um, I'll release him to serve in your church for the rest of his life. Wow. And so I think that there was, you know, something spiritual happening there as well. And I, it was kind of me just coming to terms with what was already inside of me and sure. And uh, 
abandoning myself in that moment to pursuing it. Just curious, when did, when did your parents, when did your dad, like, when did they tell you that story that your dad had done that kind of made that commitment? Was that later on in life after you'd already gone into ministry? Was that as a young boy? Like when did, when did your parents let you in on that, that they had made that commitment? Yeah. So for my parents, I mean, very faithful. Um, my dad met God when he was, um, you know, later in his teenage years and just like consistently sought after the heart of God since. Right. And so, when I came to them and said, Hey, I want, I want to, I think what I want to do is I want to become a pastor. I think it was this moment where he had never pushed me in that direction, never even suggested I should do it. Um, and when I finally came to him, it was like the light bulb went off for me and him in the same moment. And he said, Hey, you know, I've never told you this, but this is the prayer that I prayed over your life um, from an early age. So I think he just didn't want his desires to come in the way. Sure. And um, sure. yeah, so he, he told me after, after I made the decision, okay. I believe. I love that. I love that, you know, yeah. the fact that spiritual manipulation, you know, yeah. often we see that, we hear that, you know, whether that be from a, you know, a pastor, priest, whatever, or yeah. can be a parent. So I love the fact that he left that out of the equation until you had you know, God had showed you rather than yeah. know, trying to manipulate you into that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to the, uh, the top fives here, uh, just one more mm-hmm. question on ministry, calling that sort of thing. What's yeah. your, what's your favorite part of ministry? Like, what do you love? You've been doing it. You said seven and a half years, basically yeah. right out of Bible college, you've been in it, you and Emma both. And yeah. obviously ministries, you know, it, it's very rewarding, but it's also very taxing it's tiring and it's heavy. Like it's weighty stuff. You're dealing with people and their situations and their spiritual journey. And so what's the best part for you about being involved in full-time ministry? So my answer um, has changed over the last few years. Um, I would have been very quick three years ago, uh, even two years ago to say leadership. I love the leadership of it and I still love it, but it's not a highest priority the the most significant and most rewarding part of ministry over the last little while has been being able to lead people out of the overflow of what God's doing in my life. Mm. Um, I had the, the two separated too much for too long within ministry. Okay. And um, I would say that I, I didn't realize that there was such a joy in bringing people into an existing relationship with God. Yeah. And so you know, being able to see people come alive in their own faith and um, really relate to them on a human level. If I would go even more specific with it, I would say that my favorite part of ministry is when the light bulb goes off in people that I lead, that if God could use me, he could really use them. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm not, I really am not trying to set myself up as an unattainable um, image of what leadership looks like, but really trying to show people with, with appropriate, yeah. uh, appropriately that, Hey, if, if God's using Brandon, like, Hey, he seems normal enough. God could use me. Wow. So that, that is the most rewarding thing. And, and so all of our staff right now, actually, none of them went to Bible college. They're doing that retroactively. Okay. But, um, they were, they were all people that that light bulb went off for them as well. Wow. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's let's jump into some of these leadership top fives. And the reason sure. we do this, um, I, I in this position have have had so many conversations 
um, just surrounding leadership health, right? And if there's one thing yeah. that I, I think is probably a crisis amongst leaders, especially church leaders today, it's just their own health. And mm -hmm. I believe for years uh, that that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. And I know yeah. we've had conversations surrounding that and, and we get together regularly, consistently. And I appreciate yeah. that so much about you, Brandon. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast as a guest is because you you exemplify a measure, a certain measure of leadership health. Not that we're always the healthiest version of ourselves, yeah. but the fact yeah. is you remained not only disciplined, but intentional about your own leadership health. Mm. And that's one thing that I've always admired about you. Um, mm. You're very disciplined, very intentional with your own health. And so I want to ask you some of these questions. The first has to do with your own personal yeah. habits, your disciplines, and I'd love to ask you, I've been asking uh, various leaders this over, over the past number of months on the podcast, but outside mm. of your own prayer life, Bible reading, your own devotion, because I'm, I'm going to assume that's a given for, for ministry leaders. I hope so anyways. Yeah. Um, what would be another, aside from those, what would be another, another habit, another discipline like for you that's been just it's just yielded so many results for you as a leader personally. It could be a personal habit. It might be something you do with other people, but just tell us a little bit about a specific habit that if you could only keep one, you this would be highest on your list and why mm. that's so significant to you and your leadership. Yeah. Um, I've developed this uh, tool that I use for myself and it's not unique to me. I've just iterated on it um, after borrowing it from, other leaders that I've seen do this, but it's just a daily uh, planning tool. Okay. And uh, on my daily planning tool, I have it, uh, have it up here. You know, there's a few different things that I do and I, I try to do this every night. And what it is, is it's, it's a sheet and I put my calendar into it. Um, it's, uh, it has all the daily habits that I want to follow. Okay. It has the big three things that I want to pursue the next day in three different categories of my life. So, you know, I'll write out, these are the big three things I want to do for myself personally tomorrow. These are the okay. big three things I want to focus on for my family tomorrow. And these are the big three things that I want to focus uh, within Slate Church on tomorrow. And these flow out of other systems that I've created, like a monthly review, a weekly review, which I'm a little less consistent with. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, in addition to that, I also write down three things I'm thankful for. Um, so I think gratitude journals have become a big thing yeah. uh, in, in, in the last few years. And, you know, it's funny because psychology, specifically positive psychology right now, is just confirming things we know uh, about the nature in which God has created us from the very beginning. Yeah. And so that's kind of built into here. There's three, I write down three things I'm thankful for. And then I have uh, a little category on my sheet that says relational priorities. And so I take time to think through my relational priorities with God, myself, my wife, Emma, my kids. I wrote down Ma and Pa. So that's my mom and dad yeah. staying connected yeah. to them. Uh, you know, my extended family, church. And then I have my, you know, my mentors and my leaders, and the people that I'm leading down. And it's just one line. What is something I can do tomorrow? to further these relational priorities. Hmm. So when it comes to mentorship, it might be something like reach out to Jeremy for a conversation, but it also might just mean, hey, I've been meaning to set up regular cadences in my schedule. Let's right. do that tomorrow. Right. Um, and so, and then the, the biggest thing that's been valuable for me is not only just reviewing my calendar in this, this daily overview each night, but it's been making sure that 
the things I've set up as my highest priorities actually happen tomorrow and right. that they're in my calendar before everybody else gets my time. Hmm. And so, you know, this would be the biggest discipline that I maintain in my life. And the reason I say that is because, you know, something like working out is really important to me. Something like waking up on time is really important. Something like reading. But if I have this consistently in my life, even if there's a few days in a row where I can't get to that thing, yeah. I'll know I'll always come back to it because I have a checklist for it every day. Right. So, oh, I love that. That's so good. And, and explains a lot about just, you know, how you remain so intentional with your life and leadership, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me, the more I ask this question to multiple leaders, you know, that every leader, you know, has some version or you know kind of regime to do with you know their time right and and as you know and i'm sure you found as a young leader like the you know i i think sometimes the misconception can be that when we fix our lives to such a regimented you know routine a schedule whatever it feels um you know just it it feels like we're being squashed a little bit or confined But what yeah. I've, I've experienced, and I, I think you can appreciate this, is it's actually the exact opposite. It actually allows more margin in our lives when we yeah. do have a schedule and a routine in order to, you know, what we want to accomplish for that day. I've found since I've introduced a similar version of, of something like this a number of years ago that I've become more productive than I've ever been, which has actually created more margin in my life than I've ever had before. Like yeah. you're not running yeah. from this appointment to the next to this, like That's you're right. spacing things out appropriately. You got the big rocks in, you're getting them done first. And so yeah. by one yeah. or two in the afternoon, I've already accomplished that, like the meat of my day is done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so that just makes so much sense to me. And I appreciate you letting us, um, letting us have a little snapshot of what that looks like for you. That's awesome. Yeah. I um, think it's, it's often the fastest roads and the most dangerous roads that have guardrails. Yeah. And so, you know, a mm. lot of leaders want to drive fast and navigate difficult things without guardrails. And it's like, the only way you can do that is, is with some level of stability. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, another question. And this is, this is related to even some of the things you just talked about in that, you know, that habit, that discipline of kind of looking every night, ordering your next day and your week mm-hmm. and your month and checking in constantly as it relates to, I know one of your highest priorities would be family and marriage relationships, you know, that are meaningful to you. And you, you just alluded to that a moment ago. What's mm-hmm. the best piece of practical advice? How long you've been married, you and Emma? Uh, this summer will be 10 years. So 10 years. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so 10 years married. So as, as you know, a couple who is led together, like, it's not like one of you has done this and I know things are changing a little bit. Emma's got her, you know, uh, counseling degree now and and she's starting her own practice. And so things are changing a little bit, but you guys are still, you have always basically done this together as a, as a ministry couple. And yeah. that's, that could be very tough, you know, so much so that oftentimes many of your conversations, even when you're not at work or at church or surrounded by ministry, it be, it goes back to that, right? Where your whole relationship yeah. can be based upon the ministry that you're serving in yeah. together. So yeah. in terms of, you know, healthy marriage, healthy relationship, what's the, and it may not even be something that you guys have mastered yet, but what's the best yeah. piece of practical advice you've been given in regards to keeping a healthy marriage? you know, and keeping that as a priority, especially, um, 
just with the pressures of ministry surrounding you constantly? Yeah. Um, so I've heard a lot of advice practically, but like as a, as a guy that's, you know, understands that if I don't understand the principle behind the practicals, uh, I get off track. So for me, it's just, <laughs> it's simply been the advice, keep your marriage a priority. Hmm. And that seems like, okay, well, you know, of course, but it's like, sure, well, no, not, sure. of, not of course, because, you know, there's actually a lot of people that don't do that. And there's right. a lot of pastors and um, marriages that don't keep marriage as a priority. And it's right. easy to lose marriage as a priority because it never slips in like other things that take place a priority of your marriage. They never slip in like in a loud bombastic way. It's, it's quite often just in you know, many good things starting to take the place of an even better thing. Yeah. And so I remember um, just before we started having kids, somebody gave us the, the um, tip. They said, listen, like uh, your family has already started. You're only adding to it. So make sure that right. what you're adding, uh, adding the child to is strong. That's good. Um, and I thought that was really good because, you know, before we had Kenzie, it was Emma and I, right. and as each of our kids begin to move out of our house, as they get older, um, it's going to be M and I again, like yeah. the family unit was already intact. We were just adding on to it. And so it has to remain the priority because I don't want to look, you know, when the kids are growing up and they're doing their own thing and now pursuing their own things that give them their own sense of meaning and pleasure and all the rest in their life. I don't want to look at what's left over in the wake of that and be like, I don't know you. I don't, you know, I don't even know if I like you. Sure. And so by keeping marriage a priority, in different seasons, it's meant different things. I remember being told maintain a date, a date night. Uh, the way that we have had kids, that's been incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, we had three kids. Our oldest was not yet three, and we had we had three children. Wow. And so we had a zero zero uh, year old, a one year old, and a two year old. And we thought we were, you know, basically done. And then we found out we we're having another one. Yeah. And it's been it's been difficult to maintain a date night, but we've been uh, very intentional of making sure that any avenue and margin that we have, we spend it together and we enjoy that time together. Long drives, good conversations, right? Uh, night, nights alone where we're doing the same thing and we're not just on two separate screens. Um, that's one we could do a little bit better on if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah. And so we're just doing everything we can to, to make it a priority. Oh, that's good. And you know, again, just keeping in line with kind of the whole family unit. I love how you said that, you know, you've been a family before you had kids. And, and so yeah. it's just remaining a priority, keeping your spouse a priority, because yeah. that does change over the years. And you see that happen so often in our world today, you know, the kids empty nesters, and then yeah. all of a sudden, 25 years in the marriage dissolves. It's like, yeah. it was so yeah. focused and prioritized on those kids and raising them that, they lost their way with each other. Right. And, and yeah. their priority in that relationship. So I, I love that. That's a huge priority for you. And, and yeah, I was about to ask you, what's that look like, but I understand what you're already saying, you know, that changes through seasons, right? You're yeah. in a season that's very, very busy and, and uh, yeah. taxing with just the, the age and stage that your kids are at. But on that note, just a, yeah. another one regarding parenting, best piece yeah. of advice, maybe something you even watched your own parents. I know you come from a great family, great set of parents. Um, just some parenting advice, maybe another pastor leader out there who's kind of got similar thing. They're just feeling so overwhelmed. They've got kids, you know, 
under five and they're just feeling yeah. like, will things ever change? Like, is it always going to be this way? We seem to have yeah. lost our, our, our lives. And all I know is diapers and, and feeding times and everything else. What would you say to a parent out yeah. there just trying to find their way right now? Uh, good luck. And it's <laughs> that's good. <laughs> good luck. And uh, it's, it's only a season. And this is what we kept mm. get, uh, being told about this season of our lives is just yeah. like, this season doesn't last forever and it really goes by very quick. Yeah. Um, one really practical piece of advice that kind of bridges both together, marriage and family. So Emma and I do a marriage meeting every week. Okay. And this has been a game changer and it helps us keep our marriage a priority and therefore parent better. Uh, we go through four questions. It takes 30 minutes. And the first question is, um, uh, affirmations and just saying, I appreciate this about you. The second thing we go through is business for the week. Like what are the things that we need to be aware right, of, whether right. it's financial or on our calendar or whatever else. Um, the third question or the third thing that we go through is what is something you're looking forward to in this week? So it mm-hmm. might be something we're doing together or something we're doing individually. Yeah. And the fourth thing that we go over is do we have any feedback for one another? Now, you know, when we go through this weekly, what it enables us to do is it allows us to really analyze where we're at with one another and even where we're at with our family. Right. And it, it causes us to make concessions. So on one hand, I say, good luck. It's a season. And that's something we have to hold in tension with the fact that and this is the best advice I've been given for parenting, which is um, children spell love, T-I-M-E. Hmm. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, wow. It's good. I don't know how to reconcile that with a busy life, yeah. but the way that you reconcile the two is one, um, become unselfish, which is impossible to do without God. Um, and then make concessions in your calendar. Like you can't live as busy as you want to live and give your children the time that they want. And so, I mean, I don't have any meetings between four and eight, any night of the week, uh, I, I have, I maintain a Sabbath with them where it is only time spent with our family. And honestly, in, in seven and a half years of ministry, if I've done anything right, uh, that's remained consistent. Hmm. So good. Uh, so helpful for so many of our leaders out there. I, I think that's a great piece of advice, right? I love how hmm. you said that, you know, kids spell love T I M E. Um, and it's so mm. true, you know, as I've looked back over our years and our kids are a little beyond the stage that you're at right now, but yep. I, I think too, in terms of, of, and I've often said this before quantity versus quality, right? Like in yeah. that time is when the quality moments happen. I, I remember as a young dad trying to figure out how do I make quality moments? I just want more quality moments with my, I want memories yeah. that kids will, you know, they'll remember for the rest of their life. And what I learned early on is that you can't plan quality. But what I can plan and determine is the quantity of time I spend with my kids. And in that quantity is when the quality happens. And I can think of literally random moments just hanging out that my kids still point to that I never thought in a million years that would end up being a quality moment that they remember. But it just is, you know, going for a bike ride in the heat of the summer and deciding we're going to ride our bikes into the side of the river with our clothes on. It just like they've never forgotten that moment. Now, I didn't set out that morning when I got up. Well, this is what we're going to do today. And our kids will never forget it. It was a sporadic random moment, but as I'm spending time with my kids, those quality things happen that our kids remember. So I love that. So good. Um, 
move on to uh, to just mission. And, uh, and again, this is an area I know that you're intentional with in your life and involved in, in different areas, but ministry can yeah. be very busy, right? We've talked about yeah. the busyness and just, you know, the amount of time that it takes from our schedule. And so as a busy pastor, it could be really tough to stay engaged and in, in living on mission in your community. Right. Um, And and I think oftentimes we become so great at leading others to do the very things that we're not necessarily doing ourselves. And we know in the end, it doesn't really stick and nobody really catches that. People can smell a fake a mile away. And so how do you stay true to actually not just encouraging your people there at Slate and beyond, but actually you and Emma and as a family staying engaged, like, is there an area? Is there something right? And that could change over the seasons, even as kids, because oftentimes they can be our outlets for that too, as they're engaged in sports, whatever. Um, But how are you in this season of your life staying and keeping, you know, living missionally in your community, a priority for you and your family? Yeah. Maybe I'll just um, emphasize the individual piece of this one, um, just because it can be so easy when you look around, you know, a decade in the ministry, so to speak, and all of your friends are Christians. Yeah. And it's like, no matter how much work I do to read cultural commentary, commentaries, or as much Mark Sayers books as I want to, you know, sure. yeah. try to digest, like you, you actually, you don't have an ability to reach a culture you're not engaged with. Like it's, yeah. you can be so heady and not actually understand the emotions of the culture you live in. And so for me, it's been really important to maintain areas of my life that are filled with people, not, a, you know, don't have a relationship with Jesus. Right. And so for me, the predominant areas, like I still, just before the, the latest restrictions were put in place, went back to refereeing, not because I needed money, but mm. because I found myself, you know, one, two nights a week uh, prior to having kids. And now it's about once every other week, just in a room with another guy that this is his second thing. And he's usually doing it because he does need the money. And so right, right. And there, the conversations that would spawn out of that, hmm. um, I've maintained a membership at two gyms for the last four years, simply because I've built so many friendships at one gym. And I really wanted to start going to another gym, but I just haven't been able to drop those friendships. Wow. And so I'll still visit that gym as often as I can just to see them. Yeah. Um, and so I think the big thing is like, not just doing things the world does, like the world goes to the gym. Uh, right. So, right. So we should as well. But uh, it's a bit like actually engaging with people while you're there. And I don't know a way to stay missionally minded. Um, without having some level of margin in your calendar. So mm-hmm. if you set aside an hour to go to the gym and you want to get huge, and so you can you 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 have to optimize that hour for yourself, you won't be on the outlook for you know somebody that wants to talk about just going through it. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it means doing you know 50 minute workouts and and budgeting 10 minutes into your your calendar while you're there that hey, 10 minutes of this is actually gonna be talking to other people. Yeah. And that's a specific example I've had to use because I found myself irritated leaving the gym. Like, oh man, I didn't get as good of a pump because, you know, right, and I started right. realizing like, am I here to get a pump or like, am I here to like still be on mission? Like, yeah. So it's a balance. I budget a certain amount of time anytime I'm out that if I get stopped, I have time to be able to set towards mm. that. That's at church as well. Cause sometimes it's busy and, you know, you want to just get out to lunch because your kids are hungry. And so we just budget, you know what? On this day, we bring more snacks. And we right. budget 20 minutes just to talk to people intently after service, you know? Anyway, 
that those are some of the ways that I've been doing it. Oh, I love that. And I, I think what I'm hearing you say is it's not for even listeners out there. It's not necessarily adding something to your schedule or, or yeah. you know, doing something else. It's more about right. actually being instead of doing, oh, being sure. more intentional with what you're already going to do. You're already going to work out. I know you, I know yeah. your habits, your disciplines, your, you yeah. care about your physical health. And so you're going to do that regardless. So yeah. instead of just doing it, why not be intentional with the time you're going to spend doing that? So that might mean budgeting an extra 10 minutes or whatever to have those relational conversations, build relationships, yeah. and then who knows where that's going to go. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. good. Well, let's move on to, for the sake of time here, I'm going to move on to, uh, to ministry and just ministry specific. And we know in our culture today, we've seen, and it, it's heartbreaking um, mm-hmm. because so many lives and, and families are disrupted and broken and just a mess because of just leaders who have fallen, you know, fallen you know, pray to, to huge moral failures or whatever. And we, we hear it, we see it in the media. Media loves to talk about those stories, write about them, report on them. Um, And, and sometimes it can get to the point where we hear it and see it so much. It's like, okay, who's next? Like who can you trust anymore? Right. Having said all that um, ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, and we're familiar with that term as, as leaders, um, and there's so much charisma and competency that goes into leading and, and you get yeah. this platform. And I know even your success as a leader at you and Emma there and building slate church. And even before that, anything you guys have put your hands to you've, you've seen a measure yeah. of success, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. but we know it's the leader's character that actually allows you to stay right. It, it might yeah. be your giftings, your talents, your abilities that gets you the platform sometimes, but it's your character yeah. that keeps you there. And so having said all of that, talk to us for a moment just about a specific guardrail or maybe a couple that have been really, really uh, monumental to you and your leadership and keeping you in ministry for for seven and a half years, right? Because let's face it, so many young leaders today don't make it even to that, unfortunately, because they just haven't been intentional enough about putting those guardrails in the, and you already referenced the whole guardrail, wanting to go fast, and that's the temptation, but just talk to us for a second, just about maybe a guardrail or two that's been really, really significant and important to you and your leadership. Yeah. Um, so we're only like our accountability is only as good as our transparency. And so it doesn't matter what system you put up to put on those guardrails. If you're not willing to be honest in that, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so for me, it's been really important, uh, you know, my sister-in-law often would say like, you can't make new old friends. Hmm. I would argue you also can't make new old mentors. And so one of the reasons that I think we're still connected is going through some trying seasons in my life where honestly, I didn't know if I wanted to be in ministry anymore. Hmm. Um, I didn't want to go to somebody new that I could just manipulate. And it's not because I intentionally manipulate. It's just scripture points out enough that like, we don't even know our own hearts. Hmm. And so um, Proverbs also says like um, uh, in the, in the presence of multiple advisors, like you can't go wrong. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so for me, I was like, you know what? Like I'm not trying to manipulate, but I think that if I get around too many new mentors, like there's a chance I'm going to do that in this season. I don't want that. And so I started thinking back, like who are some people that have seen me through some of you know my most vulnerable moments that can speak speak to certain areas of my life. 
right. then remain transparent with them. So it's not about just setting it up because, you know, at the end of the day, those that come into my life, I, I could fool them as well for long enough. Right. right. It's so it really needs to start with honesty and a willingness to die to self, a willingness to realize that ministry is not about us. Um, and then for me, you know, the guardrail has been making sure that I have old mentors, so to speak. Now you're not old, but like, it's okay, man. Life, no, no offense yeah, taken. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> you, you stop dying your hair. Uh, yeah, you know, that's right. Got gold, the silver so. going through it's wisdom. Silver Fox. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But you're the, you know, one of the oldest mentors in my life, which is like the timeline of my life when I would have started inviting mentors into my life. You're, you, you go back as far as they come. Right. You've seen me at some of my worst moments. You've seen me at some of my best and you can see me through in the middle. And so, you know, yourself, my dad, um, I came into contact with a great pastor about seven years ago. I've just kept him in my life. Hmm. And the thing is, is that we might not agree on everything, Sure. but that's not what it's about. It's about somebody being able to, yeah. that has the character you want to see, able to speak to your character in a way that's honest. And so you know, I think some of us, we think that just by trying to not appear proud, that that's enough, but authenticity from the platform is becoming a charisma of its own. Yeah. Um, and we got to make sure that there's an actual authenticity happening off the platform with those that we allow to speak into our lives. And so mm-hmm. that's been, that's been my biggest thing is like, honestly, like people can put as many accountability structures on me as they want. And I would be okay with that, but I've sought to do that for myself. So that, Right. It's not as necessary, you know? Right. Um, and I have all of them, but, but the, the ones that are, are performing best are the ones that I've allowed to consistently speak into my life. So, so what does that look like? Cause we got a lot of leaders listening that, you know, have heard even me talk about mentoring, coaching, that sort of thing yeah. on this podcast before, but I'm interested for the, for their sake. I know a little bit about it, just having had those conversations with you, but what does that look like for you? Like, you know, to have that ongoing mentoring, you mentioned your dad, myself, another pastor, like, do you put that in your calendar? And even if you do, like, if it's something like that, that's, you know, you're intentional with reaching out for that, even so you jump on a call or you go for coffee or whatever, like, do you come with a set of questions? Like, how does that look for you? Because I know this is often where leaders know they should have this, but they often don't know how to do it. And, yeah, and yeah. whose responsibility is it? Do you look to your mentor mm-hmm. for that? Do you own that and take the initiative? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah, I learned a long time ago and this saved my butt because I stopped looking for, um, you know, this culture that who knows who, like I just abandoned it right. in that moment. And I was basically told, um, like anybody worth pursuing as a mentor is not going to have time to pursue you. Wow. And so it's because they're living their own life and wow. the people that we look up to are doing their own stuff and they don't have time to sit around and think of it. Who am I going to mentor today? Right. And if anybody's ever been in that position where somebody's come alongside them and said, I want to mentor you, we all know how that feels. And it's yeah. generally not the person we want to yeah. be mentored by. Yeah. Awkward. So, yeah, exactly. I would say that it's it's up to us to pursue mentors. So, you know, I I never think in our relationship, you'll still do this at this point in our relationship, but um, you don't do it so frequently. Um, yeah. I think the onus is on me to say, hey, you know, could I squeeze into your calendar somewhere? 
Right. And it's not because I never feel that it's because, you know, somehow you don't have time for me. You don't care about me. It's because, I mean, there's an onus of mentorship that is on the person that wants to be mentored. Yeah. And so, you know, even for my dad, you know, like there's times where I'm like, oh, you know, I'd wish you'd reach out more, but it's like, he's got his own life going on. I, you know, the world does not revolve around me. And so Mm. sometimes it looks like putting it in your calendar at a certain interval. I mean, I would suggest not doing that too much because often when you need mentorship the most is when it's not planned. Right. And so the other part of it, more than putting it in your calendar, I found is for any high achiever and people that are taking this podcast seriously, there's going to be a temptation to want to prove ourselves to our mentors, to my dad, to you, to this other pastor. And it's consistently rejecting the desire to look a certain way in front of the people we respect the most. Hmm. because it's in the moments where we need mentorship the most that we'll be most um, uh, hesitant to reach out for it because we'll want to appear a certain way in that moment. Right. And that's when it's like, you know what, it's, it's time to reach out. Uh, It's time to abandon the view we want to have of ourselves in front of them. And so uh, for me, it's looked like in a lot of broken moments, reaching out to you, reaching out to this, this other pastor, reaching out to my dad, and being like, hey, like we really need to talk, and um, and I don't even phrase it that way because you don't want to sound like a five alarm, you know, either. Sure. Always, sure. always yeah. in emergency mode. We, you yeah. know, but reaching out and say, hey, can we talk? And when we talk, even if I, I'm feeling better, revisiting that difficult place, if it's right. a week later, a couple of days later, revisiting that deep, uh, that that hard place, so that some real coaching and and teaching and learning can actually happen. Yeah. That's uh, so good. And, and I can honestly say, you know, with all authenticity that, that you do, um, you do model that so well, and you do take the initiative and there's many times mm-hmm. where it's, you know, although I do think of you, you know, pray for people that have reached out to me for, you know, that I have a list yep. of names that yep. I'm constantly thinking about praying about, but yeah, I do. You're right. You know, I have to take the onus for my own life and getting that mentoring that that I need. I don't expect my mentors to reach out to me. And I love yeah. how you phrase that. And I think that's really, really top notch advice to leaders out there who are looking for mentoring and maybe yeah. even praying and looking for that, you know, that mentor to fall out of the sky in their lap and go, I'd love to mentor you. That's just not how it works. Um, yeah. You got to yeah. take the ownership and initiative in that. Um, because it does matter. So great advice. Yeah, for sure. Um, as for we sure. wrap this up, final question in the leadership top fives, and we'll close with a couple uh, supplementary questions here. But uh, in terms of yeah. maturing as a leader, you know, I know the the leaders I look up to most, you know, some of them in their 60s, 70s. And one thing that that all of them possess is just this, just this dedication to learning and growing like they yeah. never feel like they've arrived or fully arrived and so they're yeah. just they're still reading they're still listening they're doing reverse mentoring and you know meeting with yeah. a millennial or a gen yeah. z leader because right. they they never want to and that's the type of people i want to be around that's who i want to be when i'm 60 70 80 years old right and so yeah. having said that you know leaders are readers. We have all these fun little, you know, taglines for it, but what are you learning today? What are you, you know, in terms of maybe it's a book you're reading, maybe it's a podcast webinar conference you've been to, maybe it's a learning group, you know, maybe it's from mentoring, whatever, but how are you 
continually making um, just learning and your own personal growth a priority in, in your life right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I found the best resource I have is just maintaining a certain level of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's more the principle behind what is the best resource? It changes season to season. Yeah. I've read a lot of books in one season, listened to a lot of podcasts in another. Yeah. Um, in this past season, I found myself in a cohort of pastors. Um, okay. Uh, and essentially that cohort, um, I've been in actually a couple of different cohorts and I've never done it in my life. And it's been one of the best things that that's happened. So two were kind of formal attached to other organizations, which have been really helpful. And then one was created myself and a few other um, pastors uh, that are, you know, similar life stage, yep. similar uh, church and everything else. And the amount of honesty and resources that have come out of that. So, you know, some of them are on my own level. Uh, so to speak. So I'm not looking to them always for mentorship, sometimes for friendship, yeah. but also the amount of resources that have been brought in out of that. So sure. the other cohorts I've been a part of have come out of a relationship that I have in this relational cohort I'm a part of. Hmm. And then, you know, books and other things that apply to my situation come out of that because like, oh, I've read this, the situation we're talking about, you'd really bet that would be really valuable for you. For you. So I think actually prior to us talking, you were, you were talking about, you just got clusters off the ground for, you know, yeah. an area of leadership that you're, you're in charge of. I'm like, yeah. that has been the biggest difference maker for me throughout the pandemic. I have never done it. And I wish I had it started sooner. And it's the best resource that, wow. uh, that I've, I've had a, taken part in, in the last little while. Oh, I love that. And that's, I can attest to that. It's become a priority in my life. There's a, another leader here in Canada and then a couple in, in the U S and the yeah. four of us have been connecting in a cluster now for three, four months. And yeah. it's basically a small group. We learn, but more than anything, we get cared for who cares for the caregiver. Right. And Sorry. that's where I find care and just open, honest, real time, like real talk. We, we don't, try and be someone we're not in that cluster. When That's we right. get together, we're sharing what our biggest challenge is, how our soul is, you know, family life, and we're being real with each other. And every yeah. time we take time to pray for one another and words of knowledge and prophetic words are yeah. flowing as we're praying. And I leave that, it takes about an hour and a half. Yeah. I leave that time. I actually just got a text while we're doing this podcast interview from those guys setting up Let's another call. time. But I leave from that time more refreshed and more alive than yeah. any other meeting that I that I have in my calendar that month. And so, yeah. yeah, I can definitely attest to what you're saying. And I'd encourage any leader out there listening today yeah. to uh, if you don't have one and you're not a part of you don't see anything, you know, in your organization or your district or wherever you're engaged in leadership, then make yeah. one. Find yeah. a few other people yeah. that, like you just said, Brandon, I love that. Find a few yeah. other people that are maybe similar stage, age of life. You know, yeah. kids are at the same stage, whatever, that you can learn and grow with together and be cared for. I, I just think that is so key, especially for those involved in ministry. Yeah. What a great place you know to uh, cap this. Sorry, you were going to say something. I cut you off. No, I, I, I just agree with what you're saying. I think there's this tendency in all of us to always want to hang around those that are ahead of us or whatever else and it's like we don't realize that contentment is really found and just getting around a group of people that can do exactly what you just said and like i learned to shed my competition within ministry in this group 
Yeah. And it's because all of a sudden you're looking eye to eye with people you're doing ministry with and you're like, we're all on this. Right. Love it. Brandon, as, as we uh, close this off, just a couple lighter questions for you. Um, Mm -hmm. What would you say to, I forget how old you are now, but let's say go back seven and a half years. You and Emma are just starting out in ministry. Uh, You're overwhelmed. You're freaked out because you're about to start. You're excited. Um, What would you say to young Brandon and Emma as you're starting out in your first position seven and a half years ago, now that you know what you know now, what would you say to them? First word that pops to mind is just relax. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rome wasn't built in the day comes to mind, but it's even more than that. God is building his church wow. and we just get to partner with him. We don't get to choose whether we're the servant that's given one talent, two talents or five talents. Mm. We only get to choose our faithfulness. That's it. And uh, so just relax. Be, be okay with what the master's given you. Uh, that's so good. Love it. And yeah. what are you both, what are you most excited about coming up? Maybe near future, few months out, whatever, but what is Brandon Richardson excited about coming up in his life? I'm trying to train for a triathlon right now. Okay. And so, wow. uh, I've, I've found, I've actually heard a stat that a lot of CEOs or leader types get into triathlons and Ironmans and all the rest, because yeah. it's just a time where you have to focus on something else. Right. So I'm really been enjoying that. And I think it's like an, a good outlet for me. Yeah. Um, in ministry, my parents are uh, gearing up to launch a location for us in okay. my hometown. Love and uh, that's really exciting. And we're still ways away, away from that. Sure. But uh, just to see their passion and excitement and to be able to partner with my dad is so cool. You know, a lifelong dream for him to be in ministry is kind of coming to be. That's awesome. And uh, that's really cool. That is so cool. Well, any last bit of advice, resource, leadership nugget, truth that you want to share with any of our our leaders listening today, knowing that many of them are church leaders, but we do have some business leaders out there listening to any last piece of advice from uh, somebody who's been actively engaged in some successful ministry and leadership over the last number of years. Sure. Piece of advice and a resource that I always recommend. So the advice would be uh, I think that the few, I've been saying this about church, but it could apply elsewhere. Uh, the future of the church in Canada is humble. Hmm. Uh, it's not proud. It's not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not a look at me, look at what we're doing. It's a humble leadership. Hmm. And in a culture that is prone to canceling the slightest fall, um, hmm. the best way that we can position our hearts, not outwardly, I mean, like inwardly is yeah. towards humility. So whether you're leading a business and you're afraid of the way that CEOs are being fired for one misstep, or I think that it's those that are leading with humility that are going to make a really big impact over the next little while. Yeah. So how does it look like to form that, um, like as a very real part of our lives? Mm. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm thinking about a lot right now. And then a resource that I just keep going back to, I, I think I've, I've read a lot of books that want to be like this book, but seven habits of highly effective leaders yeah. is still my top book that I would recommend anybody to read. Um, it's just, it's been quite significant in yeah. just uh, setting up some of these personal systems. It was a launching pad for me on much of what I'm doing now. So awesome. Stephen Covey, 
we can link yeah. to that and uh, definitely a staple book for any leader out there listening. Love it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brandon. Before we go, just tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to follow your story. Maybe you're posting some stuff about that triathlon training, whatever, yeah. or just fun family stuff or whatever the case may be. Where, where can listeners find you online if they want to follow the story further? Sure. I'm not on TikTok yet. Okay. The, the goofy part of me yeah. thinks maybe at some point. So Brandon H. Richardson, uh, you can find me on Instagram. And then uh, I have a YouTube channel that I'm revamping right now. And it's Brandon Richardson. And uh, I'm doing a little bit of vlogging there. So that's been awesome. Fun. Love it. Well, thanks again, Brandon. Can't thank you enough. Again, just reiterate, it's so great uh, watching you over the years. Uh, become the leader you are today and I know the best is still out in front of you and Emma and your your growing family so thanks for doing this love you man so proud of you and uh, yeah yeah thanks for having me well that was a pretty surreal fun conversation to have again just with a leader who I've been able to watch and have a front row seat to just watching Brandon develop over the years in his own leadership strengths and giftings and it's just been awesome and then now to to sit with him as a present day leader leading a thriving church him and his wife Emma just really, really amazing for me to be able to to sit and do that. I hope this time has been meaningful for you as you've listened to some of the habits and just guardrails and different intentional strategies that Brandon's put in his life and leadership. And if it has been meaningful, would you go ahead and share that on social media? Share this resource, this podcast. Again, this is not to pump our tires. This is really to spread the word of this free, absolutely free resource for leaders to help them get healthy as leaders. That's why we exist. Why? Because your leadership really does matter. So if you would, would help us spread the word and maybe subscribe, give us a like, uh, whatever the case may be, however it applies to you, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and do that. We'd really appreciate it. Well, until next time, again, just remember your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.